T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 541 career touchdown passes. What record do you hold? In the highest regard in all of sports, is it Drew Brees? The record fell last night. Saints quarterback, what a night it was. 29 of 30, near perfection for Brees. Home and home, radio.com, sports original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Check them out, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. Also the latest on the Browns dumpster fire. Should Janoris Jenkins get another shot on the NFL? And what about Josh Gordon? Is that it? Will we ever see him return to the NFL football field ever again? A lot to get to today. Kyle Bailey from WFNZ in Charlotte on the future of the quarterback position for the Carolina Panthers after Will Greer gets the nod and Carrington Harrison. Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City weighs in on their newest acquisition, Got some sizzle coming to Kansas City. And what about Patrick Mahomes' performance in a near blizzard? I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut, where Ross Tucker is in Pennsylvania. And one would assume his kids are in school today. Unlike mine, there is snow. Well, that's if you count a dusting of snow, Ross Tucker, on the ground. It's virtually raining outside, and the kids are home from school I've ranted about this enough. We don't have to start our Tuesday this way, but I no, mean, come I don't on. understand. We're starting it. I, I don't understand. You're in Connecticut, and for the second day in a row, your kids are home from school, even though the roads are totally fine. Is that what I'm hearing? You can see my driveway in its entirety right now, all of it. No white on the driveway, a little bit of snow on the grass, and one to three inches forecast for the next 24 hours. That is now a snow day in Connecticut. We are in New England. We talked about this a week ago, further proof of the decay of American society and the wussification of America. Agree? Yeah, I mean, it's really, what is it? It's just kind of a... uh a liability thing, and uh, you know what? We can only get in trouble if we have them go to school and somebody slips or somebody falls. I mean, yeah, it's not good, bro. Serenity good. now. It, you know, if it was, if it was the twenty third, uh, we'll have to air the grievances next week. Airing of the grievances only takes place on Festivus. Let's start on a pleasant note. Louisiana quarterbacks. No, not that one, but there was a great day for two Louisiana quarterbacks yesterday. And we will talk about Drew Brees at nauseam and ask you what records you hold in the highest regard in a moment. But first, tribute to Joe Burrow, the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback at LSU who shattered offensive records at Louisiana State for the Tigers and Coach O this year. A remarkable on-the-field on the story has gotten far better off the field. In case you didn't hear, 
his acceptance speech for the Heisman Trophy Saturday night. It was unlike anything you've ever heard in the history of the award. Here's what Joe Burrow talked about. From, from Southeast Ohio, it's, it's a very, very impoverished area, and the, the, the poverty rate is almost two times the, the national average, and there's so many people there that, that don't have a lot. And I'm up here for all those, all those kids in Athens and in Athens County that, you know, go home to not a lot of food on the table, hungry after school. And you guys can be up here too. Joe Burrow, he gave tribute to his offensive line and his coach and his family and his team. But Joe Burrow wins the Heisman Trophy and he's up there thinking about people that don't have enough money at the holiday season. That is the greatest thing in sports. Drew Brees, we'll get to you. Cleveland Browns, Janoris Jenkins, T-Sizzle. That is the single greatest story in all of sports. Why? A man in Athens County, Ohio, where Joe Burrow grew up, was inspired to start a fundraising page on Facebook thinking, I'm just going to set this ceiling huge. Maybe we can raise $50,000 for a local food pantry in Athens County. They exceeded the 50 grand, set another goal of 75, another goal of 100, another goal of 150, and so on it goes. And right now, 8.36 a.m. Eastern Time, that goal of $50,000 has been so far exceeded. The new goal is $400,000 because people have poured in $336,000 to the Athens County Food Pantry because of Joe Burrow, the greatest college football player in the country this year, a far better human being. Ross Tucker, is there a better story in sports right now? Yeah, I kind of preferred the Iowa State kid who just wanted the money for Natty Light. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not worthy of that brilliant comeback. Well said. <laughs> what was my man's name in, in Iowa State? Oh, I, I don't know. Kid. He College just wanted money for guy. a case of Natty Light, I think. Was it Natty Light? <laughs> it or Bush was Light? Natty Light. It was Natty Light. Carson King. Bush Light. Bush Light, Carson King. And they ended up raising over a million dollars for the local Iowa yeah, hospital. that's actually the greatest story in sports right now. Uh, so no, the Joe Burrow great, thing yeah. is great. The Joe Burrow thing is great. Um, and it's great for a lot of reasons. What I think is interesting about it, Dave, is that, you know, I don't think you think of Southeast Ohio or a rural area like that. I guess I don't, when I think poverty and impoverished a lot, Right or wrong, I think cities, uh, and I don't, and especially like uh, mid-major cities, if you will, you know, like where I'm from, Reading. You know, I, I think about that, Flint, Michigan. I, I don't really think about rural areas, especially when you talk about food and food pantry, because I would think it's uh, a lot of farmland there. But I thought that was enlightening in some respect, because you you just. That's not what comes to mind for me when I think poverty. Yeah, and it's not often what you think of with 
Heisman Trophy award-winning acceptance speeches. Just bravo to Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow versus Carson King. Better sports story in 2019. It's nice to end the year on two positive sports stories, but we've got another Louisiana quarterback that deserves his due. Drew Brees, 541 career touchdown passes, passing Tom Brady and, of course, Peyton Manning for the all-time mark last night. He didn't just do it on Monday Night Football against the Colts, whom they beat in the Super Bowl, whom Peyton Manning set most of his records with, but Drew Brees does it on a nearly perfect night, 29-30, breaking Phillip Rivers' all-time single-game completion percentage record. Interesting because Phillip Rivers is arguably the reason Drew Brees is a Saints great and, you know, could have changed Chargers history forever. Uh, let's start our Radio.com Red Zone with our friends, WWL in New Orleans, with some reaction from Drew Brees' record-breaking Monday night. 12th play of the drive, first and goal from the five, Brees under center, high formation, Got fakes it. the handoff, looks to throw, wide open, touchdown, Josh Hill! 19 years, 273 games, over 76,000 yards, and now 540 touchdowns, Drew Brees take a bow. Incredible moment um, uh, to be able to share something like this with with, with my team and, and the Houdat Nation and everybody here in the Superdome tonight, my family and friends. Um, you know, you, you don't really think about these things, um, especially when you first enter this league. Um, I can remember as a young player, just was trying to become a starter someday, maybe, maybe be able to make a little bit of an impact. And um, it's hard to believe here we are, 19 years later, and having a chance to you know do some of these things. I just want to congratulate Drew Brees on that big honor he had tonight. That's kind of hard to do in the NFL with all the hitting and banging and all that through 18 years or 19 years he's been in the NFL. And, uh, Listen, you got to answer the bell week in and week out. And uh, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, the best of the best, even when Peyton Manning was playing, uh, th th that's hard to do. Uh, because right. uh, there's a, you got to have broad shoulders, your work ethic, how you prepare week in and week out. Uh, that speaks volumes when you see those great achievements. It just kind of makes you shake your head, you know. Just, are you kidding me? You know, I'm not sure how we got here. <laughs> um, it just you know, kind of makes your whole life and career flash before your eyes. Um, because I, I, I never never thought I, I would have had the chance to be a part of, of something like this. And just an incredible night, an incredible experience, incredible moment be able to share that with so many people um, because all of them are a big part of this. Drew Brees there on the record-breaking evening. That was courtesy to our friends, WWL, the radio.com affiliate in New Orleans on the radio.com red zone. Check them out on our free app. Uh, Brees talking about the entire journey, the entire career. And to me, you reflect on his perseverance and how he's played through the doubts and the injury. 2005, what most thought was a devastating, career-threatening injury, Drew Brees saying at one point, this might be the last time I ever put on a football uniform of any significance. That was back in 2005. To me, Drew Brees is all about one thing, and it is perseverance. We can all take something from how he worked through 
all of that. So with that, a question, Ross, what is to you Drew Brees signature characteristic and what's the record that you hold in the highest esteem in all of sports? Yeah. And let me just say this about Brees before I dive into that. He is almost too good to be true. You know, some of these guys, Brees, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, I would put in that category, just the way that they conduct themselves. You know, you never hear anything negative about Breeze. He's meant so much to that community. The numbers he's put up are just ridiculous. But I, I just have so much respect for the mental and physical toughness to line up every week and produce at as high of a level as he does. Davey had one incompletion last night. And after the game, he was asked about it. He was mad. He was pissed about the one incompletion. You know, that's how you become Drew Brees, when you're mad about your one incompletion. It's unbelievable. I don't know if you've ever interviewed him or been around him. I've been around him a couple times. Did I ever tell you the Drew Brees story, Dave? No, and I have one too. All right, so my Drew Brees story is when I was launching my recruiting business, it's called Go Big Recruiting, back in like 2006. I wanted somebody that was well-known to maybe be the face of it, and I had some former teammates that were playing with the Saints, playing with Drew Brees, And it was his first year there. So this is right after his first year in New Orleans when they went to the NFC championship game and lost to the Bears. And so I talked to Drew on the phone a couple times. We emailed back and forth a couple times. It didn't end up working out. Didn't really make sense for him to to take a deal that was just an equity deal with a startup or whatever. And no worries there. Um, And I said, you know, really appreciate it. If you have any advice you know, let me know. Um, Dave, he emailed me back like seven long paragraphs of advice for the business I was launching that he had said he wasn't going to be a part of. I mean, it was like set goals and, and, um, make sure you hold yourself accountable to achieving them. Like it was like, It was like bullet points of advice to me for this. I I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I thought he was going to email me back and be like, yeah, man, I would just say, you know, try to get some marketing or try to get with the high school coaches, like a one line thing. He emailed me like this long email with all of these different, really salient points for me and my business. I was I was floored. Because that's who Drew Brees is. And in my experience, that is exactly who Drew Brees is. Quick story, Peyton Manning, the guy he broke the record of. Remember being at a relatively exclusive Super Bowl party in New Orleans? Admittedly, when everyone probably wanted to get an autograph or take a selfie with Peyton Manning. There were two Mannings at this party. One, Eli walking through the crowd, taking selfies, signing autographs, hugs, you name it. And then there was another Manning back in the corner behind several velvet ropes where no one could get near him. That was Peyton. So therein lies 
my difference of opinion on the two Mannings and Drew Brees, the couple of times I've had to interview him at a television station, I keep my eye on what these people do when they enter buildings, when they interact with interns, when they interact with your greeters or your security. They could easily be a dick because they deal with a lot of hassle. Drew Brees took the time all the way through the building, each intern, each autograph, each greeter, each security guard, each person that wanted to take a picture. He had time for all of them. Drew Brees is a class act, no question about it. You talk about that one incompletion. Yeah, he said, I threw off my back foot and that one will haunt me for a while. That's how you get to be great. Tom Brady tweeted about this. Your records will be tough to beat, but it's worth trying. Tom Brady will never break that record. It's just going to be padded by Drew Brees in the next year, probably two years after this. The record will be broken, in my estimation, by Patrick Mahomes 14, 15 years from now. It might take him more than that. Brees is in year 19. Mahomes is ahead of his pace by a long, long way in terms of average touchdowns per game. Deshaun Watson is also ahead of the Drew Brees uh, pace. So now to the conversation we started early about the greatest record to you, to me, the one you hold in the highest esteem in all of sports. It's funny too, Dave, because I I put this question out uh, on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL, you are at Dave Briggs TV, the show at RDC, home and home. And by the way, we're less than five minutes of commercials per hour. So if you just happen to find us live or if you're listening on demand, make sure you spread the word and tell your friends less than five minutes of commercials per hour. So I put out there our two questions of the day in my mind, Dave. The first one here being what sports record would you want if you could have any? And the second one is what we'll start with at 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, which is our thoughts on lengthy updates, family updates in Christmas cards. Because I went through a bunch of family Christmas cards last night. Let's start, though, with the record. And I'll tell you what I wrote down. The first one I wrote down, Dave, was Wilt Chamberlain's record. And I am not talking about on the basketball court. (laughs) I hope not. Oh, good. If I could break any record in sports, if that counts as a sports record, it would be Wilt Chamberlain's record. For so, 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 so many reasons. It would be Wilt Chamberlain's record. So, which record? I'm kidding, of course. Which my record? wife watches this, or my mom, or my wife's grandma's. I'm kidding. It's funny. Wilt Chamberlain slept with a lot of women. It's a joke. Let me move on. <laughs> a Do rumor of 10,000, right? 10,000? Was it that? <laughs> he, he, he claims 10,000. He would have had to be having a, a lot of uh, double headers for 10,000. A lot of double headers there. A lot. Back to back. So here's my question, Dave. Do having the most Super Bowl rings or three Heismans, do those count as records or those accomplishments 
and I need to give you something else for a record. Uh, yeah, I would count those as records, although it, they're probably not in the typical book that we define such things would be, yeah, career marks, single season marks, but they really are the most important of all records. So, yes, let's absolutely. I think, I think like seven, seven Super Bowl rings, because you think about all of the joy, joyous occasions that would have brought to you, your family. You know, the White House trips and the parade and the ring ceremony. You know, it's like, it's so, there. there's so many moments in those moments. So I'd say seven Super Bowl rings. I think, uh, I think three Heismans would be cool. Only one person has two Archie Griffin. To have, to win three Heismans, like in your three years as a college football player, you want to talk about being a boss. Like I can just picture my speech that third year being like, look, I don't know what to tell you. Um, when you're good, you're good. Um, it would be a very different speech than what Joe Burrow just gave. It'd be like, look, um, I think if we're being honest here, we should strongly consider changing the name of the trophy to maybe the Tucker trophy at this point. I mean, it's only my third year of college football. I'm about to go pro and be the number one overall pick. Otherwise, I'd stay and win another one. But I don't even have enough room for a fourth Heisman in my house right now. It's time for me to go to the NFL. I think, in conclusion, everyone should try to sign a petition to get them to change this to the Tucker Trophy because I own this shit. I That would be the greatest Heisman speech ever. You would eclipse... Joe Burrow, just in terms of the uh, the sheer vanity of it, would be amazing, and it'd probably be viral in its own way. All right, uh, so you want to know the, the real way, record, though? You want to know the real record? Oh, you you still haven't answered. Well, so all of those are questionable whether they're really records or not, right? So if I could really have a record, it'd be seven Super Bowls. I'm kind of joking about the three Heismans. I'm definitely joking about Wilt Chamberlain. If I could have one record in sports, this is weird, Dave, but I wrote it down. I, I think the all-time home run record would be sweet as shit, man. Like the all-time home run record, they've been playing baseball forever and to have more long balls than anybody else. We all know chicks dig the long ball. That would be sweet. Unless, of course, you cheated your way to that record, like the record holder. And speaking of records, uh, one of the millennials did research the Will Chamberlain, and it apparently is 20,000 chicks over the course of his career, which I think would go beyond doubleheaders. I think that would be, I, I'd have to do the math here, and I'm sure the millennials can do the math in his adult life. How you many per day would that have averaged? That would be triple headers, I assume. You know what? I just got a great idea. You know how, since we're a new show, we're getting different guests on all the time? Let's get one of those 20,000 on the show. I want to get one of those 20,000 that slept with Wilt Chamberlain on the show. Your thoughts, I, I wonder if that. I wonder if that's possible. I challenge you to come up with that. Uh, Jordan Cohen, one of the millennials, did the math. 
And if it was starting at 18 years old and, and wrapping up, say, around 50 years old, that's 625 per year. So almost a doubleheader every day. No way, man. No let, way. Let me just Even say this. Let me just say this, okay? Let me say yeah. this. First of all, we got to look up um, when Wilt passed away. But number one... He didn't start at age 18, okay? You you can you can uh, you can go ahead and start that at 15 would be my guess for Wilt the Stilt. So start that number at 15. And per sources, according to Jake Galley, one of our millennials, Wilt loved threesomes. So right there, Dave, you're you're making up some quick ground. There you go. Three one time. That's how you get to that number. He passed away in 1999. Oh, by the way, my record that I hold in the highest regard, and, and, and I was looking at it as a record that is currently held and who holds it. And that's why, to me, I grew up idolizing, yes, you know about John Elway. The other person was Pete freaking Rose. And me idolizing Pete Rose didn't stop with him betting on games, quite frankly. I don't give a damn if he bet on baseball because that guy went out and busted his ass every day of his career. And his record of 4,256 hits to me is without a doubt the greatest record in all of sports, one that will never ever even be approached. I wore number 14 growing up to honor Pete Rose. The, the active leader in hits is what 3,200 Albert Pujols, who's wrapping up his career here. So no one will ever get close to Pete Rose's 4,256. In, in Denver, you're in Denver, Colorado, and you were a big Pete Rose fan? Well, there's no baseball. Uh, growing up in Colorado, we didn't have a major league team until I was in, you know, until the, the Rockies came in 93. So you got when you grow up without baseball, you just choose. And we were the minor league city, if if you want to know the backstory, for the Cincinnati Reds. So oh. first, player I ever, first player I ever saw in person was Pete Rose. And just seeing the hustle that that guy brought to the game, love the man. Don't understand why he's not in the Hall of Fame, but don't don't care about the betting on baseball. Either. Okay. So I put this so, out there, Dave. I put this yeah. out there to our listeners on Twitter. And multiple people came back with a really good one that okay. I think would maybe change mine. And it's it's the 100-meter dash. That would be sweet, dude. Like, mm. to walk the earth and know you're the fastest person on planet Earth, that would be... That would be a pretty cool record to have. People have Cy Young's 511 wins, no thanks. Cal Ripken's consecutive games, no thanks. 56-game hitting streak, DiMaggio, that's, that's kind of cool. But I'd still think I'd rather, this guy wants Mike Trout's record $430 million contract. I don't know if we're counting that. But I think 100 meters, Dave, would be pretty sweet, man. To know you're the fastest man on earth ever, that would be pretty awesome. I would not 
let go of that Mike Trout uh, biggest record contract in all of sports. Uh, you know, for the people that say money doesn't buy happiness, bullshit. That kind of money buys me happiness, bro. And it would make me far happier than having Pete Rose's record or Cal Ripken's record or any of Tom Brady or Drew Brees' record. No doubt about it. Okay? Money does buy happiness in some cases. At least according to me. We play a game, Ross, once a year, right around Christmas time, courtesy of a good friend of mine. It's called Keep It or Chuck It. You go through all the Christmas cards and it's gotta be in the circle of trust. You can't have any friends from outside the circle with you when you hold up a card and everybody gets to vote, keep it or chuck it. And to me, there's a lot of characteristics that go into it, but certainly length of Christmas card and the quality of update you're providing is one. And that's something that really gets to you when you open Christmas cards well, each and well, every hold day. On a second. This is this is fascinating, okay? Yep. What what do you mean keep it or chuck it? Like for the rest of the year or just like it's just a game whether you'd keep it or chuck it? Um, well, we just have two piles and it, it it is just a game. We don't literally throw them out, but it's a group of ten or twelve close friends where you just get to weigh in. Is that garbage? Is that in the, the keep it pile or is that in the just throw it in the garbage pile? I do keep them all because they're good conversation pieces because some that are the trifold that I got to look at like six or seven different pictures of your kids and your fabulous trips around the world, automatic chuck it. If I have to open multiple uh, card type, you know, if I have to unfold anything, chuck it. Does it have anything to do with the people on the card or just based on the card itself? Based on the quality of the picture, the obnoxiousness of the bragging, and certainly the length of the update. How much information are you providing? If you give me a, a picture that you took with you know, your iPhone and it's a selfie and it's kind of blurry and bad light, that's a chuck it, for example. Again, if it's a trifold, if I have to unfold anything, that is a chuck it. And sorry, dad, God, I hope you're not listening. I don't wanna read your letter. I don't wanna read your letter. I don't wanna read anybody's Christmas letter. I just wanna see a card to see how everybody looks this year, how everybody's aging. Yeah, that's kind of me. I, I, you know, you and I are in sync on a lot of things. Now, to play devil's advocate on the inserted letter or the lengthy update, yeah, could you argue that if you want to read it, you can read it. If you don't want to read it, you don't have to read it. No harm done. Sure, you could. But to me, it's the assumption that everyone, that anyone cares about all of that stuff. I'm not kidding myself. I don't think any of my, if you want to know what's going on in my life and what's happened over the past year, chances are you already know it. And if you don't already know what's going on in my life, no way you care. You don't care that my daughter is doing well in dance and theater, nor that my son is doing well in basketball and baseball and soccer. If you knew to care, you'd already know. I hate the letters. I hate the lengthy updates. And I also hate 
digital cards. You can't send me an email. I just saw a friend yesterday say, this is my Christmas card on Instagram. No, it's not. It's not a Christmas card. It's just an IG post. Uh, yeah, that's, that's rough. Uh, I don't like the updates. I don't like having to fold or open stuff. And Dave, people have way too many pictures on some of these. Like the back of it, there must have been eight different pictures of some of these where it's like the picture's so small and it's like this one is when they were in uh, skiing and this one was Disney World. And this, it's like you can barely even pick them out. Like you, it's not a good picture of them. It's just proof that they were at that place, which by the way, Ugh. we already saw when they post on Instagram 15 times from that place. Let me tell you what really matters on a Christmas card, okay? A good picture of your kids. That's what matters the most. I think you can give or take even having the adults in the picture. I gotta tell you, I think what matters is a good picture of the kids. And I think even Christmas cards have been somewhat had their 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 thunderstone a little bit because of Instagram. You know, I wasn't on Instagram till fairly recently, Dave, but I actually follow most of my buddies and my buddies' wives on Instagram. So I see the pictures of the kids and the family a lot. That used to be what was so cool about Christmas right. cards. It's like, ah, oh, look how she looks. Look how you well, now I see it all the time. Now, there's still a bunch on there, there, a bunch of Christmas cards we get of people I don't see on Instagram. So that's cool. But what really matters the most is a good picture, good quality that you can really see of the children. And that's what matters the most. You don't really need any more than maybe one nice picture on the front, maybe two on the back of different poses with the kids. If you want to have one where the parents are in it, that's great, but that's not the priority. Now, I, I felt the same way until a gay friend of mine said, hey, look, I don't have any kids. Your kids are great. I had my wife and I off of the card one year, and he said, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't care about your kids. I don't know your kids. I just actually want to see you and your wife and how you look today. That's when we updated that policy to always reluctantly include ourselves in the card. You should have brought yours to the conversation so I can get a better sense of whether you go in the keep it or chuck it pile. I should probably grab mine. Maybe towards the end of the show, you can dictate if I oh, go in the what? keep it or chuck oh, it pile. Oh, guess what, Dave? I don't even have one. What? I Wait don't a minute. have one. In fact, I get well, text who are you to judge? People, I get text messages from people that say, I love your Christmas card. I'm like, oh, thanks. My wife didn't give me one. I've asked her three times. People receive it, Dave, and respond and tell me how much they like it. And I have no idea what the hell they're talking about. I haven't seen it. At that point, I finally saw it yesterday for the first time because my wife gave one 
to our nanny. I hadn't even seen it. Didn't even know what the pictures looked like. Didn't even know what it was. Now, as usual, my wife did an outstanding job. Looks really nice. The girls look great. We are not in it this year, primarily because the photographer came on a, wait for it, NFL Sunday. So no, I wasn't I wasn't taking that picture. So it's just the girls. That's all everybody wants to see anyway. They don't need to see me. Boom. You had a photographer come to the house to shoot a Christmas card? Are you there? I Yeah, I froze for a second. What do you got? You had a photographer come to the house to shoot a picture for a Christmas card. Yeah. Wow. Wow. No more calling me the rich guy in this conversation, pal. That's impressive. Are, are, are you, I hope you can get this you card. Don't think most people, that's what most people do. Really? Wow. Most people I, don't I think know so. that most people I know that's what they do. Like they, they have a like they're like, oh, let's take our Christmas card picture. Really? Is that right, not a like thing? They, they, they hand the camera over to a friend or a relative when they're at a family gathering and they're dressed up nice at church. But hey, man, I mean, good on you. No, I mean, I'm okay with it. I, I don't have nine I'm jobs okay like it. you. I'm okay with it because, number one, I also think you should get like professional pictures of your children one time a year while they're while they're still little and cute and cool. And then we just happened to use that. I had other pictures I thought my wife should use. We went to the, uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking now. Justin Timberlake's in the movie. It's like, they're not the Muppets. <laughs> trolls, trolls. <laughs> Trolls, the Trolls movie? Is that where you're going with this? We went to the Trolls experience in New York City. And we got a picture. It's awesome. You should go. And we got a okay. picture of the four of us dressed up like trolls. Like, that's part of the Trolls experience. I told my wife, that's funny. That's cool. That's what you should use for the Christmas card. She wasn't having it. I like where your head's at. That would be a great card. Different, funny, cool, unique. Oh, yeah. Outstanding. Outstanding idea. You're in charge next year, big fella. Let's bring in Carrington Harrison into this conversation. Sports Radio 610 in Kansas City. Yeah, we'll get to Patrick Mahomes, and we'll get to T-Sizzle, and we'll get to the playing through the blizzard. But Carrington... You got to weigh in on the Christmas card conversation. What is your strategy? Short but sweet. Do you even have a Christmas card? A lot of people think we don't have to do it anymore because of Facebook and Instagram. I'm single with no kids. Of course I don't have a Christmas card. This is something you do when you're white and you have at least five people in your family. This is... This isn't something black people do. I've never seen a Christmas card. I've never been a part of a Christmas card. My parents have never asked me to take a Christmas card picture. I've never received one before. I don't know anything about this. I didn't know people that really did amazing. this. That is amazing. You just blew my mind. That, that is amazing, character. So, Carrie, how old are you? I'm 31. And, Ross, you're out here. You're going to Trolls and Frozen 3, and you're taking pictures in costumes. I don't come, I, come on now. You know I've never done this before. Dave, All you right, know right. I've never done this. All right, so you're 31 and single. All right, 
do you have so your whole life growing up you guys never got any christmas cards no i've never received a christmas card not like a family like a family portrait christmas card have i ever got like a gift and then someone puts a card attached with it yes but i've never in the mail opened it and then seen a picture of someone's family and their dog by the christmas tree that said happy holidays i've never received but a you christmas but card. you know what we're talking about yeah yeah i mean i've seen it in movies and i i understand that they exist i've just i've never been a part of it before and and you think that that boils down exactly into racial lines this might be this might be one of those two America things. This this has a lot of strong two Americas possibilities. This might be the sweet potato pie pumpkin pie debate of Christmas. Do you does your family participate in Christmas cards? That is so interesting. I I I didn't know that. I'm trying to think of the cards that we we've received so far. There's definitely some racial diversity. I don't know if there's any any African Americans? I'm trying to think. Or I, I mean, I, it, it, or it is possible that this is just a rich people thing. Like Ross, it sounds to me like <laughs> I mean, anybody that can spend nine days in Hawaii, this might not be a white black thing. This might be a rich poor thing. Like you just, uh, you just appear to be in a different tax bracket than everyone else I know. So maybe that's what it is. You get the Christmas card, and then you can show us that you balled all 2019. You know, you balled. You had you had a fantastic year, so you have a Christmas card. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Troy Aikman talked about hiring. Would he ever go into the general manager uh, career? And he said, well, I doubt I would ever go be a GM for the Dallas Cowboys. Quote, I think that's a real long shot. He elaborated Aikman saying, I believe it's unlikely Jerry will ever bring somebody in that can help this football team in that regard. Troy Aikman raised a lot of eyebrows with that comment in the Dallas area and has been very critical of Jerry Jones, the general manager of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, Jerry had his chance to fire back on 105 through the fan just a few moments ago. Here's what he said. I did any and everything. Listen, I've had a lot of lunches and a lot of great times with Troy, and he's, he's a, uh, someone that I... I uh, can't tell you how much I respect him and uh, how much I have uh, appreciate his uh, uh, lineage with the Dallas Cowboys. And um, uh, I, uh, apart from these kinds of issues, 
we've had business together, so uh, uh, we're doing fine. We just, uh, uh, I, I know this, that uh, uh, he certainly would like to be, it sounds like that he'd like to be involved in the long-term uh, uh, involvement in a team, maybe the Cowboys. Uh, I understand that. Can you think of anybody, Fish, that would understand that more than me? I did any and everything I could to get to live the life that I live, and that's to be involved in uh, uh, everything from socks to jocks that there is with the Dallas Cowboys. That's the way it is. Jerry Jones on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas this morning, reacting to Troy Aikman's comments about ever becoming the general manager of the Dallas Cowboys. Ross, your reaction? Yeah, I mean, look, Jerry Jones, I, I don't think this is a big deal, right? I mean, Troy Aikman is at a stage in his life where, I don't know, maybe his kids are grown up now or whatever, and he's intrigued by the idea of trying to run a football team and trying to have a vested interest in wins and losses and take his hand at that. And I think he has had success in business. He knows football. He'd like to try to combine the two. But he doesn't really envision it happening in Dallas because Jerry Jones has always been the GM. Jerry Jones has said recently why he always has been the GM and always wants to be the GM. And I don't think it's going to happen in Dallas. And I don't think it's really that big a deal. I don't know that it'll happen for Aikman anywhere. It really has to be sort of the perfect storm for something like that to actually work. Um, and for a team to say, we want Troy Aikman to be our GM, you know, it does seem like the Cowboys would be the best fit since he played there and lives there, but they're not like these other organizations, Denver doing it with John Elway or even the Niners doing it with John Lynch. I think for a lot of years, Jerry deserved a lot of shit for the <sighs> job he was doing as general manager of the Dallas Cowboys. And I thought at that point, several years ago, would have been a great move to bring in a personnel guy, maybe a Troy Aikman. Now, I think the roster's outstanding. I think the coach is what needs fixing, and that clearly is a soft spot for Jerry Jones. He does have an affinity and a loyalty that at times is inexplicable to Jason Garrett, given the mediocrity in Dallas over the course of Jason Garrett's career. As you would imagine, the guys brought that up this morning on 105.3 The Fan, and here's what Jerry Jones said in defending his head coach. One of, of Jason's outstanding qualities uh, is his ability to communicate. It is actually surprising to me that he has uh, crit uh, critics uh, that uh, basically have issue with his seemingly scripted uh, messages. Uh, but he also believes in repetition, as most coaches do. And he wants to make those points uh, first and foremost, and those are the points really that it takes to uh, uh, affect the winning of a football game. And so that's why I think that you hear him over and over again in many ways uh, say some of the very same things. Uh, you'll find him to be very genuine in how he approaches things, uh, very thoughtful. And this comes across in his relationship. Jerry Jones on 105.3 The Fan on 
Jason Garrett, the communicator, um, Dak Prescott explained post game that it was Jason Garrett's pregame speech and what he called the best he's ever heard from Garrett about baseball. That was really what sparked the Cowboys to this victory, 44 points pounding the Rams and in particular pounding that front seven. It was the best effort we've seen from the Cowboys this season. But the problem with Jason Garrett isn't the high point. It's the low point, of course, Ross. Fine, he can get this team up for a game like the Rams. But it's inexplicable that that same football team loses a game to the New York Jets. Great coaches don't lose football games to bad football teams like the New York Jets. That's why the job isn't just on the line and them going towards at least the NFC championship game, but they have to beat Philadelphia this weekend. Again, a far superior Cowboys roster, Ross. So um, I agree with you about them having to beat the Eagles and win the NFC East and about them having to get to the NFC championship game at least, or else this will be the end for Jason Garrett. I would just submit to you in terms of great coaches don't lose to a team like the Jets. I mean, you know, for example, Doug Peterson who's won a Super Bowl for the Eagles. Eagles have lost this year to the Lions, to the Dolphins. I mean, they've lost to some really bad teams. You know, a year ago, the Patriots went on to win the Super Bowl and they lost to the Lions. So, one loss like that doesn't bother me. And I actually think the criticism of Garrett is a little over the top. I mean, if you go back, let's look to look at the last four years, right? 2016, they're 13 and three with a rookie quarterback in Dak Prescott. They get the number one seed and they lose in the divisional round. After Aaron Rodgers makes one of the best throws I've ever seen. It was incredible. The next year, disappointing down year. They had some injuries. They were 9-7. and seven. Last year, 10-6. and six, Win the division. They win a home playoff game against the Seahawks. Then they go to the Rams and they lose in the divisional round. And now here we are. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think... Three consecutive winning seasons, two of which were in the divisional round. It just people talk about him like they suck. Like people talk about him like they lose all these games and he loses all these games. They never, I mean, three straight winning seasons, couple division titles, couple divisional rounds, a playoff victory. I now look, I think they're very talented this year, and I think this year's a referendum on them. I just don't get. Why I think the criticism of Jason Garrett is way over the top this year, way over the top. Sure, they've been good. Just not enough return on the investment for Jerry Jones, and that's why it's in the spotlight this season. This is a Super Bowl-type roster, and yes, Philadelphia has had some bad losses. I think we got to give them at least the injury pass this season. This is the practice squad Philadelphia Eagles we are seeing in action and yeah the GM there I mean Howie Roseman needs to get the wide receiver position fixed he needs to get that defense fixed as well one other thing that Jerry Jones weighed in on regarding this upcoming 
uh, weekend game with the Eagles is some of the memories that this jogs. A lot of memories between the Eagles and the Cowboys. And one he can't quite forget is Michael Irvin's last game at the Vet in Philly, October 10, 1999. Irvin is injured. Eagles fans being what they are, yeah, booed Santa Claus, cheered Michael Irvin being injured. Has Jerry Jones forgotten about that? They talked about it this morning. Well, the city of brotherly love will be uh, uh, certainly uh, uh, happy to see <laughs> the Cowboys come to town, and uh, they won't disappoint. And uh, uh, I remember early when I would have my young grandchildren, real young, uh, go to the games up there, and I would take uh, another family, Father Tribu's family, and uh, who many of them live in that area, and uh, they were just so sensitive to the kinds of things that you get <laughs> when you go to Philadelphia, kind of open criticism and the unabashed, uh, just unabashed uh, show of emotion that those, Cal uh, those uh, uh, Eagle fans have. Uh, I'll never forget, if you will, uh, you know, uh, I went down on the field when Michael Irvin couldn't move. And uh, uh, really, they got a bad rap that day. They had some of them not understand that he was seriously hurt. And uh, we got in the ambulance right out on that field and took him over to the hospital. I'll never forget. I was driving along. I had his wife, Cindy, on the phone, and we were talking. And Michael couldn't move a muscle. And we were in the ambulance as we drove over to the field. And I looked down, and he was doing his fingers and moving them. I said, Cindy, you can move them baby said he's moving and uh, he uh, gradually regained some of his ability to move but uh, where I'm going with that is uh, uh, there's a lot of wonderful uh, some 30 years frankly of uh, emotion and thoughts that I have when I think of going up to play a football game in Philadelphia Jerry Jones on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas this morning. Interesting how he remembers that moment because there are two sides to that story depending on who you speak to. Again, now Michael Irvin's career ended that day at the vet in Philadelphia, October 10, 1999. Some felt that the Eagles fans were being disrespectful, cheering their rival getting injured. Michael Irvin sees it otherwise. He said it was a compliment for Philly to cheer me. He says, Philly wasn't cheering my injury. They were cheering my departure. What do you make of that day, 1999? And you know the Philly fans well. Would they cheer an injury out of respect or disrespect? So first of all, they hate the Cowboys with an absolute passion. Like, you can't even imagine. But when he was hurt, they were happy because they don't like the Cowboys. They don't like Michael Irvin. Now, initially, they didn't know that it was that serious of an injury. You know what I mean? Like, they just were happy that he wasn't going to be playing. They're like, ah, shut up. Yeah, you know, like, that's the reaction. I think if you ask those people, they weren't really happy that it appeared to be a serious injury. Um, and I think Michael Irvin and Jerry Jones, both of them, with their responses, handling it with class, certainly. 
Uh, but I think they were cheering the fact that he was hurt and wasn't going to play because he's a good player. If they knew it was a serious injury, I don't think they would have been cheering nearly as much. I think you're right. Although you know Philadelphia fans better than me. Do they get a bad rap? We always hear, and I always say it, I'm guilty as sin. They booed Santa Claus. How do you characterize the Philadelphia fan? As, as, as a respectful, as angry, how would you characterize them to someone that has not been at a Eagles-Cowboys type game? Yeah, so I, I would say they are the most passionate fans in sports. And that can either be positive or negative, right? So if you are like Brian Dawkins or a guy that's beloved, there is no better city to play in or position or team. If you are a beloved Eagle, that's the thing that I think is frustrating to people, Dave, is People know about the negative part of it with away team fans or if a player doesn't give max effort, the fans will absolutely let them know. But people don't talk enough about the flip side to it, which is if you are a guy that performs and puts your heart out there for them, they will love you forever and they will love you harder and deeper and more than ever any fan base ever could and you are a legend anywhere you go within 50 miles of those stadiums that is the difference in my mind is that Eagles fans only get the negative part of it Philly fans only are known for the negative part of their passion but people don't comment enough about the flip side and how if you're on the positive end of that how unbelievably great that is for you and your family. It is one of the most fascinating, probably the most interesting and polarizing fan base, Philadelphia, New England, Dallas, Chicago, New York. What makes sports a beautiful thing? We're out of time on a Tuesday tomorrow, a hump day home and home with, you've heard from the Peloton mom. She was on the Today Show. We've got the Peloton dad, who many feel was enforcing sexist ideas in that Peloton commercial. Peloton husband joins us on a Wednesday home and home and our friends from Pro Football Focus with all their player grades from the week in the NFL. I'm Dave Briggs for Ross Tucker. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.